Hey guys, welcome to another episode here of MMA Fight Club. Today we're breaking down week four of season five of Dana White's Contender Series. Just before we get to that, I want to do a quick summary of how we did last week, which was atrocious. If you heard our episode last week, we went one and five. Yeah, six fights. We only got one right. Now, we did have two dogger passes in there because the numbers were just not favorable. But uh, just a quick summary. Yeah, we got uh, Julia Palastri wrong. We liked her coming in, and Jasmine Joshua-DeVicious just manhandled her, did a great job, won that fight. Uh, Jack Della Madalena, he wins his fight over Angelusa, and, you know, people were telling me pre-fight, you know, take, look, look at Jack, he's a tough guy, and ends up going to decision, and Angelusa just never really gets a chance to tee off and hurt him, so nice win there for Jack, we were on the wrong side there. Here's our first dog of pass tonight, Dylan Potter versus Lucas Bresge, and look, Lucas Bresge was exhausted after round one. It was just a matter of, I guess, time before somebody makes a mistake, and Dylan Potter makes a mistake, gives up his back, and gets a rear naked choke there. But for Lucas Bresge, it's so interesting to me because he he finishes the fight, right? So he gets the contract and whatnot. But yeah, I just listen. Uh, <laughs> I got my eyes on this guy. He's gonna get starched. He's gonna get exhausted in his first UFC fight. I could see it. Next fight was also a dogger pass. We like the uh, Brazilian Child Bittencourt over Albert Durayev, and. You know, Dudayev hadn't fought in like two years, and there was a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and I was I was creating, you know, th things in my head. You know, how would I get on this dog here at plus 250 to beat Dudayev? And it was just wrong. I was wrong. Dudayev ends up looking very dominant. Like, it wasn't like, a, you know, a, he wasn't a little better. He was a lot better um, than Bittencourt and just went out there and dominated him. Gets a, is that a first-round finish there uh, for Dudayev? Uh, yeah, fish, sub submission first round, neck crank, just finishes the fight. So, Next fight here. Now, this one is interesting because Mo Miller was one of the most solid picks in the card. I liked him. A lot of people liked him. He ends up going the distance against Brandon Lewis, and Brandon Lewis goes in there and pretty much fucks it up for Miller because now Miller doesn't get a contract. Um, Dana White after the show was like, oh, you know, we'll see Mo Miller again. He's a basically, look, you got to finish these kind of guys, Mo. And that's basically what the message was to him. So he gets the victory. He is dominant, does the wrestling and all that other stuff like that. For Brandon Lewis, like, some losses are, you know, created differently, right? This one's not the worst loss for Brandon Lewis. Pretty good for him. I'm sure he'll be back around. All right, so for the main event, uh, main event, uh, Jolton Almeida versus Nasruddin Nasruddinov. And, yeah, got this one, uh, got this one right here. Uh, got it wrong. <laughs> got it wrong. I just felt like, you know, I had questions about Nasruddinov. I just, I, I saw some issues with his game, and I thought Jolton Almeida, the size was a factor, big guy, uh, but just got it wrong. So, yeah, we went 1-5 in that card. If you're trailing us, kind of cold right now when it comes to this Dana White contender series stuff and no excuses bottom line is did my research and my research pointed me in that direction and I was freaking wrong so let's jump in here to week four of Dana White's contender series we're going to look at the first fight of the night we'll go from the bottom up to the top of the card so the first fight in the card is going to be Jacob Rosales versus Victor Martinez okay this is a lightweight bout and um a lot of similarities with these guys. You know, their age is similar. Uh, Experience-wise, it says they have the same amount of fights. But Jacob Morales, Rosales, not Morales. Jacob Rosales, his second time around for contender series. Last time around, he got in 2019, got beat up by Pierce. Um, ends up losing that fight. Gets knocked out, I believe, round three. And so here's his second time around. He's had some better experience. I believe he's even fought in a Bellator fight. Um, you know, so we're talking about a fighter here who's who has the same type of record um, as his opponent here. But he just got a little more experience. Been there with some better fighters. Now, Victor Martinez, you got to look at the last two fights in this guy here, okay? He's from Far Texas, never never played high school sports, did a, did a recent interview in his local hometown, how he trains at a UFC gym down there. He also does some coaching, likes to work with the community. But this is a guy who's becoming an athlete late in his career, 30 years old, hasn't fought in two years. Got to keep this in mind. His last two fights, he's got TKOs. 
I'm not trying to take those TKOs away from him. He probably finishes both those fights if you if you look at them. But they were both very, very early stoppages, especially that uh, one of them was so early where the guy just gets knocked down. He's throwing up kicks, and the referee just comes over. No, no, it's over. So um, the other fight, he, he's got the guy on the feet, and the referee steps in and, and stops the fight while the guy is still on his feet. So those last two finishes, two, take, two, TKO, two K, TKOs in a row, you got to be careful with what you're actually looking at there. He hasn't had a chance to really fight high-level competition, hasn't done any Bellator stuff, whatever else. This is his first time in the octagon. Um, so, you know, just that's a little information, a little, little backstory there on, on Mr. Victor Martinez. In terms of his fights that I watched here, I looked at uh, the fight versus, uh, versus Luna in 2019 and his fight versus Echeverry in 2019. The, fights ver the fights versus the fight versus Echeverry, he gives up his back at one point, almost gets choked out in that fight. He ends up winning that fight. It was, again, a weird stoppage, gets the KO. Uh, but, you know, he's been middling here with lower-level fighters, and so... From an experience standpoint, i got to give a little bit of an edge there to Jacob. Um, I think Jacob Rosales has been in there with some better fighters. Let's look a little more closely here at Jacob Rosales. He's 13-6 and six overall, right, okay? Coming off of a win here to Jose Martinez. He got that win by decision. I watched that fight. Um, the, here's the problem I have with that fight. Jose Martinez is a very, very average, like lower-level average type of fighter, okay? And at points, that fight is just, it's toe-to-toe. It's toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And Jacob always leaves himself open when he's punching, okay? He... He says he wrestled in high school. That's what's on his, his bio. He never did anything like state championship-wise. He got like third in the regional area thing, I guess, a few years in a row. So he wrestled in high school, didn't wrestle in college. Um, never wrestles in the MMA, though. Like, I've never seen anything wrestling-wise with this guy. Um, so he doesn't try to do any takedowns, doesn't use his wrestling. And so I'm going to assume his wrestling is not good. Doesn't use his legs at all. Throws no kicking, no kicking game at all. No body kicks, no leg kicks, nothing with the legs. Head movement. Very poor, very poor. So Martinez, when he was fighting Martinez, Jose Martinez, he was getting pieced up. He was getting pieced up. Bryce Logan, when they fought back in 2020, Bryce Logan, that was an LFA fight. Bryce Logan, like, broke his nose, pieced him all up in the second round. And it's kind of interesting because, like, <laughs> he has the nerve to, like, talk shit after the second round. He's, like, talking shit from the corner, like, to Bryce Logan. And Bryce Logan's, like, looks like he just got up the shower. He's clean. He's just teeing off on the guy. He ends up going five rounds. So the one thing about this kid, Jacob Rosales, he's got a chin. Dude can take a mofo beating, okay? So he's not an easy out. Jonathan Pierce did get him out there in round three when he fought in contender series in 2019, um, but still up to that point, like, he was taking a beating. And even that, like, if you look at the replay of that fight, he does get hit, but he's, like, he was laying on the ground on his back, right, just doing the little up, up kick thing. And Pierce just hits him with a real hard one time, but he doesn't go out or nothing, and he's actually fighting back. But the ref, you know, Herb Dean just comes in, he's like, oh, I, I kind of I'm like I'm like a lot of MMA fans out there. It just really sucks when they stop the fight too early. No one wants to see somebody get fucked up, like brain damage and stuff. And if a person's like bleeding all over the mess, like it looks like it should be stopped, we get that. But like round one, round two, people are fresh, no bleeding, no blood, and there's you know people staying on their feet. It, it's just so it's just such a mess, right? Anyway, back to this fight here. I, I've gone back and forth. Now Tapology has Martinez. Like 91% of the votes here are on Martinez to win the fight. I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, why is that the case? Um, if you just line up the comparisons, experience-wise, Rosales has a little bit more experience against uh, better fighters. Fighter IQ-wise, you got to give an edge to Rosales. He's been fighting. He's fought two, three times in the last you know year or so. This other guy hasn't fought in two years. Two-year break at 30 years old. It's just not a great look. Um, Cardio-wise, I know Rosales can go five rounds because he went five rounds against. Um, we were just talking about it. Went five rounds against uh, with Bryce Logan. And not only did he have, you know, enough cardio to go five rounds, he was getting the shit kicked out of him. 
and still hung in there. So um, finishing wise, that's where it's like if you look at Victor Martinez's last two fights, you're like, oh, he's a finisher. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I don't think either one of these guys is a really good finisher at this point in their career. Um, in terms of their schedule, strength of schedule, that, that that goes towards Jacob Rosales as well. So initially, I was on Victor. I'm like, you know, Jacob's sloppy. He does some things. You know who he reminds me of? We just watched this guy fight last weekend. He reminds me of the Jenkins guy. Was it Brandon Jenkins who fought? Is that the guy who fought, who, like, the Mohawk, whatever? So he's got, like, this unorthodox approach, um, Jacob Rosales, and he's hard to hit, hard to hurt. So he's kind of always there, and he should be there for three rounds with, with Victor Martinez. So Victor Martinez, look, I heard some people say he's going to knock out Jacob. Nah, 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 nah. Not going to knock out Jacob. Jacob is, like, he he's not going nowhere. So I'm going to point towards Jacob Rosales winning the fight. I think he wins the fight. He's got at least some high school wrestling background compared to Victor, who didn't even play any sports in high school. And a little younger, I think if it gets close, you know, I think even the UFC would rather have Jacob coming in here. And Victor, look, you know, if you beat him, you knock him out, I'm completely wrong. I'm completely wrong. Is there a world that can happen? I guess so. Two-year break. Guy's been fighting a lot. Um, a guy who can take, take a punch. So I'm on Jacob Rosales to win this fight. How it happens? I hate to say it, it's it's probably gonna happen by uh no you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jacob Rosales overpowers him and gets a TKO I think he's gonna come in here so thirsty he came this is the second time around right he did this the first time lost he's coming in here really thirsty he knows he needs to finish to get a contract we all saw what happened to Mo Miller last week everyone's on notice you gotta finish your fights to get a contract okay so I think he comes in here he really pushes the pace. And he exposes himself. So, like, if he doesn't get a knockout, then his ass might get knocked out. But I'm taking Jacob Rosales to win the fight. And I got some confidence in him to win this fight. Okay, the second fight of the card is going to be a flyweight bout between the Brazilian fighter, Clayton Rodriguez, and Santo Curatolo, the 26-year-old American fighter. Clayton's 25 years old. He's a slight favorite on the current money line at minus 135. He's 6-1 overall. He's on a nice five-fight winning streak here coming into this bout. He's 5-6 in height, but we don't have a reach number on him, which is going to be the theme for this fight here. Uh, there's a lot of things I don't know about these guys. A lot of variables that I just I have to kind of guess. Uh, we'll put together the best breakdown we can here, but um, I had a hard time fighting film, especially on Rodriguez. He hasn't fought in almost two years. Uh, I don't like that. Um, he is coming out of a good gym down in Brazil. He's coming out of uh, Team Nagora, so he's down there with a bunch of Brazilian animals. Um, he's from Brazil, born in Brazil, and so, you know, he's coming here, like I said, two-year break. He's only 25, so some of that's probably COVID-related. Um, he's got a good Brazilian background, a BJJ background, good wrestling background. Um, in terms of striking, you know, that's where, again, a lot of questions, a lot of variables that I just don't know. Um, he has fought in that, what is that, jungle, jungle fight club, jungle fight promotion, which, you know, no offense, I've heard is a very lower-level promotion, not very competitive, you know, whereas, whereas Santo Curatolo, um, he's been fighting at CFFC in the Northeast, which is a good, very one of the most competitive regional promotions we have in the United States. Um, from New Jersey, and he also comes out of a good gym. He's coming out of Nick Catone MMA and Fitness down there in New Jersey. So he's got good teammates. They both come out of good gyms. But Santo Curatolo, look, he's been a lot more active, right? Looking at his recent uh, fight history here. Let me pull that up here. So since 2019, for example, when Rodriguez fought his last fight, which was in October of 2019, so almost two years exactly, since that time, um, Kurotulo's fought four fights, and he's three and three in one of those four fights. He lost to Albert Trujillo in round two, 2020. That was a CFFC match. I think that was for the championship. He lost that fight. 
I'm t- Alberto. Alberto's a pretty good fighter. Pretty good fighter. So, what do I know? Um, I know one guy's been more active. Um, he's fought in CFFC pretty much his whole entire professional career. He's held his own there. Only lost one fight. Um, age-wise, very similar. Um, I also know he's coming in here a week's notice. I don't love that. Um, he was supposed to fight next month. Got this call, so he's going to obviously take this call to take this fight instead of some other regional promotion fight. So, you know, if you're on Clayton Rodriguez, I, I just I, leave in the comments. Why would you pick him? Is it because you you have some type of inside track? Do you know something that we don't know? Hasn't fought in two years. Uh, Twenty five years old. Um, I've heard that. Well, he's going to be able to out wrestle Santo. He's going to be able to you know get him into submission. But the film that I've seen on Santo, which I've seen film on Santo, I have not seen jack shit film on Clayton Rodriguez. But the film I've seen on Santo, he's not terrible in wrestling situations. He's able to sprawl a little bit, make some moves. Um, he's got some heavy hands, does some exciting things. You know, look him up. You'll see some film. Well, actually, look in the description here. We provide some links here for so- film on Santo Curatulo. He's got some flying knees in his film background. He's got a nice head kick over some of his opponents. Um, you know, so looking more closely at Santo Curatulo, yeah, look at some of his 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 knockouts. My gosh, yeah, he, he's got some exciting stuff in his, his resume. Um, and so, look, I, I like him. I like him to win the fight. I know it's last minute, but he's here in the United States, didn't have to come from abroad. Um, you know, he was in camp of some kind, right, because he had a fight next month. So the one question would be, like, maybe his durability, or not his durability, but his conditioning for round three, something like that. These guys are 125-pounders, though, flyweights, very, very young, fresh, good guys. You know, they should be able to get through three rounds, even if he hasn't, let's say, had a full camp. Um yeah, I'm just looking here more closely at Clayton Rodriguez. This guy hasn't lost a fight since 2015, so you know it does need to be said. Even though he hasn't fought in two years, he hasn't lost a fight in you know almost six years. And the guy he lost to, Rodrigo Melonio, that guy has got a 20 and five record now, so he's no slouch. Um, that guy's pretty decent. Um, so yeah, just you know a lot of variables we don't know. Uh, does Clayton Rodriguez have the submission game and BJJ to to bring this fight into his wheelhouse and end the fight early? Um, does Santo have the power? To, to knock down Clinton and maybe hurt him and get a TKO. Um, listen, it's contender series, so we know they're going to be thirsty, right? So even if Santo comes in here and doesn't have a full tank of gas, he knows, look, I got two rounds, knock this motherfucker out. That's probably going to be his angle. That's probably going to be the pressure he's going to be putting on the guy to try to finish the fight, knowing that in round three, he's not going to have a lot left, right? You know, for Clayton Rodriguez, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect. So from a betting standpoint, I'm definitely not betting at all on this fight. I'm going to make that very, very clear. I'm going to choose Santo to win, but not betting him would not be parlaying it. I'm going to be watching it. This will be the first time I'm watching Clayton Rodriguez fight. I have never seen any film on him, so there's a lot of factors. I'm just looking to to see how he is. The two-year layoff, we'll see. You know, you got late replacement versus two-year layoff, so we'll see how it works out. But I think that Santa Claus here, Santo Coturotulo from uh, the American, he's going to win the fight. That's my breakdown. Okay, next up on the card is a featherweight bout between Stephen Gwynn and Theo Relang. Relang is 27 years old. He's an American fighter. He's 5-0 overall. He's currently a plus-135 underdog on the money line. As for Stephen Gwynn, he's 28 years old. He's an American fighter, 7-1 overall. He's minus-195 on the money line. He's coming to this fight, fighting at a Fortis MMA. He's 5'11 with a 72-inch reach. Now, I did not list the size of Theo Relang. I don't have that number. But just from watching his film... I'm going to guesstimate he's like five foot five to five foot six, and I'm going to guesstimate that his reach is going to be somewhere in the like mid 64, 65 range. He's got shorter arms, got a shorter build, very stocky, and whereas Stephen Gwynn is more of a longer fighter and should have a significant reach advantage, which should play into how he's going to win this fight. Now, in terms of topology, the public is strong in the side of Gwynn, 
which is probably makes sense. You know, not only is he favored in the money line, but this is a guy that people recognize more. He's fought a little better competition. This is his second time around on the Contender Series. Now, let's talk about Theo first, okay? He's coming in here undefeated, right? Let's look at his most recent fight that I could find. Dave Morgan, okay? That film link is in the description along with the links of any film that we reviewed on these fighters. You can find that always in the description of our videos. So Dave Morgan, um, that video is like a, a cell phone video in um, Ultimate Battleground is the name of the promotion. And uh, yeah, Dave Morgan survives the fight. But, you know, you can see that Theo almost had him out of there a few times. Actually drops him with a leg kick and pretty much dominates him the entire time. Um, it almost could have been stopped at some point. So he gets a nice dominant win there. But, um, you know, what's, let's look at the level of this guy, Dave Morgan, right? What's his record? He's 5-8. and eight. Okay, that's so he's 5-8. and eight. Dude's lost seven straight fights, okay? Hasn't seen the W in his column since 2012, okay? So let's just understand who Dave Morgan is. That's kind of the level of people that um, Theo's been fighting, unfortunately. Very, very low level. A uh, prior fight that I was able to find from him is Marshall Shermer. His last amateur fight, which is 2019, only two years ago was his last amateur fight. That link is in the that link is also in the descri description here. If you look up that fight, you want to see something exciting? Check out that madness. I think there's like four or five knockdowns in the first round, like each guy getting knocked down multiple times. So from one standpoint, I'm putting taking notes down on the fight. I'm like, okay, this guy Theo, he's a he's a banger. He could take a punch and get back up, and then. It's knocked on the second time, and I'm like, all right, this guy is just being way too reckless. And that's sort of the way he fights, spinning, you know, heel kicks and spinning elbows and jumping shit and video game stuff. And, you know, against guys like Marshall Shermer, they worked out for him. He was able to land a serious body shot on Marshall Shermer after a nice leg kick, pretty much broke the guy down. Like, leg kick, the guy was limping, then a body shot to the stomach, they dropped Shermer. Um, but look, here again, let's talk about the opponent. Shermer finished 6-4 and four overall as an amateur and hasn't fought a pro fight. Okay, so, you know, these are the two fights that we reviewed on, on Theo Relying. And what you're going to see about Theo, like I said, very exciting. He's got decent cardio. Um, and, and, I mean, he could knock somebody out at times with the things that he throws. But, boy, he leaves himself so open to counter punches. And whenever he throws a kick, it's like the arms go straight out to the side for balance reasons, whatever, or to get more power. He's just wide open. And flash knockdowns against him are common. Like, he'll get knocked down, pop back up, like I'm ready to go. So, um... I expect him to get knocked down at least once in this fight in terms of him getting beat. I see if he doesn't get beat by a knockout from Gwyn, he'll just get beat in the scorecards. Gwyn's got a lot more reach and a lot more accurate of a striker, straight down the, the pipe kind of strike. So let's talk here a little bit about Gwyn. Gwyn, Gwyn, Gwyn. So he's coming in here, like we said, second time around on the Contender Series. Okay, He lost to Alan Cruz. Look at the link in the description. If you want to see one of the nastiest like switch kick knees in I've ever, ever seen, Head snapping back, guy curling over and falling down. Yeah, that happened here to our buddy Stephen Gwynn. Um, it's a learning experience. He was winning. Well, I shouldn't say he was winning the fight against Alan Cruz. That was two years ago, 2019 Contender Series. He was in the fight. The fight was very close. If you actually watch the film, you know, it, the commentators were even saying, like, it depends on who wins the third round. Um, but he's doing a lot of good things. He just, for a momentary lapse, guard is split apart. And, you know, Cruz was doing a lot of leg kicking. A saw a little window, jumps up, flying knee, knocks out Gwen. Now, it wasn't a fluke, though, because the, the prior round, he landed the same kind of maneuver on Gwen. He landed a flying knee, and Gwen just took it, like ate it, like, oh, whatever, and kept going forward. So I, he's got a chin. That was a bad knockout. Hopefully he learned from that. Um, we can't really extrapolate much from his last fight. He fought Jorge Juarez back in February of this year, but he starches him, like, in 30 seconds of the first round. And Jorge Juarez is just not a very good fighter. It was an LFA fight. Um... It's a good bounce back for Steve. He's training at Fortis MMA. He's got good partners down there. I think, look, in terms of levels here, in terms of who's got a brighter potential future in MMA, 
I think you got to look at Stephen Gwynn as the better prospect here. Uh, no offense to Theo, but even his stature, he's very short, limited reach. Um, there's just limitations there in the way he plays his game. Now, the, the, the key for Gwynn, though, is if he wants a contract, he's going to have to finish this guy. And this guy is tough. Theo is tough. Um, he's got just a certain dog in him where, you know, Stephen may drop him. He might hurt him. But that may not be enough to get him out of there. And in terms of the fighter quality, you know, Theo's not a very high-quality fighter. So this could come down to, to Gwynn winning a nice fight, like looking good, jabbing, landing strikes, even getting some knockdowns, even hurting Theo. But without a finish, he might leave here again empty-handed again his second time around. So we'll see what happens. But I like Stephen Gwynn. And at minus 195, he's one of my favorite bets on the entire card. I'll be parlaying him with some other stuff this week, like some basketball and football, college ball and NFL ball. I'll parlay him with some of those activities. Um, and I'll bet him straight up at least maybe maybe two units right here on, uh, on Gwynn. I like him a lot. I think he's got a bit of a future. He's got nice striking. And uh, at least in this matchup, I think he clearly has the, the advantage here. He should win this fight. Okay, we're up to the co-main event here. We've got Nikolai Varetnikov versus Michael Morales. Morales is 21 years old. He's from Ecuador. He's 11-0, undefeated. He's six foot three in height, but we do not have a reach number on him. I would guesstimate his reach is probably average reach for that height based upon looking at his film. Didn't look like his arms were very short or very long. He's plus 190 on the money line compared to Varetnikov, who's the favorite here at minus 235. Now, Nikolai is 9-3 overall. He's 5-0 and in his last five fights, so on a good run here. Six foot two in height with 74-inch reach. And he's currently coming in as a topology favorite, right? 68% of the votes here coming in are for Varetnikov, and 32% of the votes coming in are for Morales. All right, let's try to break this down because there are some unknowns. Let's start here with, with, with Varetnikov first. He's 24 years old, right? This guy has beaten two fighters in his young fighting career that both at least stood in a UFC fight and participated in a UFC fight. And I want to emphasize participated, okay? Um because I've heard some people say, oh, you know, he beat two guys who were in the UFC. Yeah, no, not every UFC uh, fighter is created equally, right? Let's look at the first fight fighter we're going to talk about here that he beat, Anthony Ivey. So Nikolai Koretnikov beat Anthony Ivey back in May of this year. First round, knees to the body, which is one of the favorite things that uh, Nikolai liked to do is that tie clinch and then slam those knees to the chest and the stomach area. So he beats Anthony Ivey first round. Let's look at what Anthony Ivey's been doing recently. Okay, yeah, he did fight the UFC. That's right. And he had back-to-back -back losses. <laughs> last year he lost to christian Aguilera and he lost to brian barberena and then he fights nikolai varetnikov and what happens round one he gets finished i would i would be willing to you know argue that a guy like anthony ivy had no business being in a ufc fight okay he goes oh into ufc then he fights nikolai and gets destroyed as well so that kind of just you know put that into context you know the anthony ivy situation and we didn't review that fight um but the fight we did review here for nikolai we reviewed his fight versus steve jones <sighs> steve jones this is a guy who um you know, for lack of better words, it's, it's just he's a good athlete. You know, he's like, you know, he's got some skills, just slow and, and couldn't, you know, couldn't respond well enough and then took some knees to the chest and the body. At one point, I thought Nikolai was going to get a TKO. He downs this poor kid against the fence with some knees to the body, does a good job and just does what he's going to do. So it was a nice quality win over an LFA level opponent. Um, the other fight that we reviewed here for Nikolai, because it was kind of hard to find film on him, but one of his fights was against Rasaka Disayanki. It was a while ago, 2016. He beats the guy round two. Um, but I just want to bring it up because I know it's a while ago. Prior to that fight, this is interesting how he started his career. So when Nikolai starts his career, he gets a win against a guy named Alexei Badiokov, whatever. Gets a win. Then loses three straight fights and gets two and gets finished in two of those fights. So starts his career off one and three. It's just not looking good. 
Coming off of that one and three start, he fights Risaki. He gets the win there, and then from there he goes on and wins three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever in a row. A lot of these guys are not good fighters. I can't, I can't just say it enough. All right, guys like Clovis Hancock, Clovis Hancock, one of the wins he has. That guy's currently two and three. Okay, guys like uh, Artinus Young, Artinus Young, he's currently ten and fourteen. Okay, um, guys like uh, Rasaka Disiyanki, right? We just talked about him. Rasaki, Rasaka is zero and two. The last fight he ever fought was back in two thousand sixteen versus our buddy here, uh, Nikolai. So, you know, when it comes to Nikolai's record. His fighter history or his strength of schedule, it is definitely better than Michael Morales because of those two UFC guys that he beat. But, man, it's thin. Okay, it's thin. And those two UFC guys, like, you know, they're barely holding their own um, and definitely not winning any UFC fights, right? So um, in terms of Nikolai, what I really like about him, the tie clinch, the knees of the body, it's very impressive. He knows what he's good at. He does it a lot, does it in almost every single fight. He needs more experience, though. Uh, that's one of the things that I think he needs to improve. Takedown defense is not great, okay? He doesn't have good takedown defense, and his wrestling is uh, average at best. If it's up to him, he'll keep the entire fight on the feet, which, you know, that should be where the fight stays for the most part here with Michael Morales. Uh, Morales has got some submissions. He could do a little wrestling too, but he's not a great wrestler either, and both guys would probably rather keep it on their feet and be strikers, you know what I mean? Um, just looking here at my notes. Um, so, oh, one big thing about Nikola, how can I forget this? He's training at King's MMA. So that's a main, like, that's a big-time gym. You know, you got... You get, if the guys and the girls in that gym are badass, you know, you got Ariana Lipsky in there who just came off a win. You got Marvin Vittori. You know, you've got just a whole, whatever, whole boatload of guys. Benil Dariush. So the gym he's training at, definitely superior from where our buddy Michael Morales is training at down in Ecuador, where he's training at a very small gym. I don't even know much about it, okay? So let's talk here about Michael Morales, the undefeated Michael Morales. So he's coming in here with a lot of steam, right? You know, he's got his wins. But man, you thought that uh, we had some cans on Nikolai's track record. You can look at look at uh, Michael Morales' fighter history, and it's just a bunch of guys like two and three, one and two, three and one, two and two, zero and zero, one and two, zero and zero. I'm just reading them off: two and three, two and zero, oh, six and five. So he just hasn't fought anyone. Uh, we did go ahead and review a few of his fights, and I put those links in the description as we always do. The fights we re reviewed for him were Centennial, which was back in 2020. Uh, Bastidas, which is in 2020, and Cisneros in 2019. Do got to say one thing about these guys. They're very active. These guys fought like four or five fights over the last two years. They're both very active. I think for Nikola, this is going to be his third fight for this year. So these guys are in the ring. They're active with or without the, the COVID. These guys have been staying busy, which is a good thing. Um, let's talk about the Centennial fight. Okay, so he fights Centennial in 2020, right? Michael Morales. He squares up with him, beats him round one, and, you know, Again, it's just a competition. Like, he does knock him out round one, and it's towards the end of the round, and it's nice. It's a good knockout, but it's about the opponent again. The opponent, just not very good. What you start seeing when you watch Michael Morales fight is, it's like as if he knows the opponents are not good, so he has his guard open. He's not playing much defense. He's just like, you know, he's being free. It's like he's leaving himself open, doesn't mind getting hit. You know, I mean, could that be a problem against uh, a guy like, you know, Nikola? Not sure. I don't think Nikola has the best boxing. But if you're leaving yourself open, you can get tagged. And so when I'm watching this guy fight, Morales, he is very athletic. I love the way he moves. He stands very tall, which can make it easier for you to get hit in the head. But, you know, he's got some positive things athletically. After one of his fights, he does like a backflip. You know how guys do like a backflip after the fight? Sometimes they're like they barely make it or like they kind of fall off balance. He looked like he dropped out of a plane. He was like, woof. You know, so he's just very athletic, a lot of spunk. Interesting thing about him, though, he's never fought in the third round. Right? That's kind of like a mind, you know, mind screen. 11-0. Never been to the third round. 
So, yeah, against Centeno, Centeno, we didn't really see much. Couldn't really learn much from that fight, per se. Uh, other fight we looked at was Bastidas. Okay, He fought Bastidas back in August of last year, so just about a year ago. And that's a weird fight because he just lands one really good punch, like a straight, early in the fight, round one. Referee comes over. He does the, like, hey, timeout. We want to look at that, that cut or whatever the guy ha has on his face. And they stop the fight. And it's like two minutes into round one. And when you're looking at I, I had a replay it several times. I'm like, what did he do that would have created a bad cut? And there was no bad cut. The guy pretty much just had a bloody nose. And they just stopped it. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what you make of a fight like that where it's like when you start watching these lower-level promotions, you, I guess you're just signing up for you don't know what you're going to see. You could get some you know, squeamish refereeing. So he gets that win. Not much I could really take from the fight other than the fact that he hit a guy with a straight, and that guy, Richard Ricardo Centeno, What's his record now? Oh, he's nine and six. Okay, so yeah, a lot of guy, another guy who's just very middling. The other fight we looked at for him was against Cisneros, and that was back in 2019. So reviewing that fight, Gregoris Cisneros, who at the time was zero and zero, now Cisneros is four and four. Okay, so that fight was back in 2019. He wins by triangle choke. The film is in the description. The link. I, I'm not kidding. It's like in a small little gym. Um, it's in a it's like a gym. It's basically it's a gym. There's a referee there. And I'm like, is this a practice fight or whatever? And so they get out there, and uh, again, athleticism of Morales, you can see it. He gets a takedown, but he's not great on the ground. So he's kind of getting reversed, but as he's getting reversed, he uses his mind, he uses his plan, gets both of his legs around the top of the guy, specifically looking to get on his back, but into a triangle position. He gets into that triangle choke position, and he actually triangle chokes the guy and gets the win. Again, a 4-4 four four fighter. This fight here is going to just tell us simply one simple answer. Which fighter is better? I don't really know the answer to that. I think betting one is uh, two to one odds, minus 200 on a guy that we just don't know a lot about. I think the quickness advantage definitely goes to Morales. I think the experience advantage in terms of like fighter history and quality of schedule, that goes towards Nikolai. Um, I think Nikolai living, losing three fights in a row early in his career and then bouncing back from that is also a positive for Nikolai. They're both very, very young, you know. Um, I do want to state, though, that Nikolai, he is Kazakhstani, but he's not a wrestler. That's just not what he does. But he does do that damn knee in the clinch. And if he is able to possibly maybe take this to deeper waters, the third round for Morales, which he's never been in the third round, Morales tends to slow down a little bit. He gets up against the fence, and if Nikolai lands on those knees and that thin body that Morales has, could be a problem. Cardio, though, is this big, I, I, a lot of questions about cardio. I saw Nikolai get tired in round two and three of his fights. He slows down a little bit. Um, and then this guy's never been to round three in terms of Morales. So, yeah, just a ton of variables here about both these fighters, and I don't feel confident either way. I'm going to choose Nikolai uh, to win the fight because we just have some more knowns. Um, we know that he did beat some people that are at least a little better quality than what um, Morales has faced. But if Morales comes in here and he's just a faster, quicker opponent, not going to be surprised. In terms of Morales' things that I really want to see him do better at, his hands. His hands are, like, down here, like, they're over here. He, he, it's almost like, again, he's fighting guys that he knows that can't hurt me. So I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. So his hands are, you know, when he's striking, he's wide open. Um, is Nikolai quick? Is he a great counterpuncher? Eh, not really, but if you're going to leave my, your face open for someone to hit you and kick you, then Nikolai might have to do that. He might take advantage of it. You know, when you compare these guys down the line, it's just, there's so many things that you just don't know. So anyway. I'll wrap it up by saying I think Nikolai gets the win, but I just don't have a lot of confidence here. And I absolutely would not bet it. If you're going to do a parlay, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but here's what I would do. I would do a parlay and do a parlay with uh, Nikolai in it, and then I would do a parlay with Michael in it. Because when Michael wins this fight, which could happen, 
that plus money is going to feel a lot better than holding a ticket with minus 235 and the dude loses the fight too. So, you know, this is a fight where after the fight's over, you're going to be like, oh, I knew it. No matter which, which way it happens, you're going to be like, I freaking knew it. So there's a breakdown, guys. We're moving on to the main event. Okay, we're on to the main event here. It's a middleweight bout between Hashim Arkega from Jordan and AJ Dobson, the American fighter. So Dobson's 29 years old. He's 5-0. Both of these fighters are actually undefeated. Hashim is 6-0. Now, we don't have a lot of information on these guys, and then there was a long break in Hashim's career too, so we're going to try to break this down the best we can. A little surprise at the main event, but we'll go what we have here. Hashim is the favorite of the money line, slightly at minus 130. AJ Dobson's plus 110. They're both the same height, and from looking at the film on them, I would think that I think AJ has a slight reach advantage. Seems to just have a little bit longer arms. Hashim's arms just to be seen to be normal, so that's just what I observe. But they're both the same height. As for topology, Arkega is actually getting the favorite here. 74% of the votes are coming in here for the Hashim Arkega, the young man from Jordan. So, all right, let's talk here first about uh, the American fighter, AJ Dobson. All right, he's coming in here, obviously, on a nice winning streak. But he hasn't been very active, okay? So he fought last year against Kalen Hill, got the win, round one, uh, did some really nice early damage to him, knocked him down with, like, the first punch of the fight and then followed it up with, um, you know, just some more poundage and eventually just knocks him down for good. That fight is in the description, the link. And if you want to see an ugly knockout, like, he knocks the dude out, the guy falls against the fence, the referee can't really see what's going on, so he proceeds to dish in, like, another four or five under, like, under, like, under the chin, under the face, whatever, hooks. But the guy's already unconscious, and he's just sitting there against the cage. So pretty nasty knockout. Um, impressive. Shows you one of the things that he can do. He does have some, you know, knockout ability. His prior fight, Wesley Golden, that was back in 2018. Got a rear naked choke in round one. And then from there, it goes back in 2017 against Montreal James, a uh, lower-level opponent. And then back from there, and so on and so on. So, yeah, so you're talking about with A.J. Dobson. He's literally fought two fights in the last three years. This will be his uh, third fight in the last three years. So you don't love the layoff, but... Things have happened. COVID's happened. Um, I do want to go way back here for AJ Dobson. We broke down a few of his fights here, and I want to talk about uh, an amateur bout that he, he fought. So going back to his amateur days, which was not very long ago, 2014, he goes ahead and, and it says here, according to Tapology, that he loses to John Gunther. Now, okay, all right, so John Gunther is a UFC-level fighter, right? Believe it or not, you're like, no, what do you mean? Yes, John Gunther is 7-1 in his pro career with only one loss being his UFC fight in 2018 to Davy Ramos. He loses a round one rear naked choke. And prior to that, he was on a streak where he had lost two or three matches, including some uh, grappling bouts. Anyway, here's the point about John Gunther. If you're looking at topology, it says here that he beat our buddy here, AJ Dobson, by armbar in round two. Uh, no, look at the link in the description. John Gunther did not beat him. If anything, John Gunther needed an ambulance after that fight. The fight was stopped after round one because um, our boy here, Dobson put a beating on him in the first round. I don't know how Gunther even survived it. Surprised the ref didn't even stop it at some point. Blood everywhere, beat down, dudes falling left and right, tripping over his own feet. He was just getting destroyed. So, yeah, it was a long time ago, but it shows you that, that knockout power, that power in his hands that Dobson has, that's not a new thing, okay? And if you want to do like MMA math, look, John Gunther has fought in the UFC. Yes, it was one time. He did have a 7-1 record. Um, so for Dobson, he could say, yeah, I did, I did beat a guy. And I beat the hell out of him, who is in the UFC. Um, other fight we looked at here for for Dobson was the uh, we talked about the Hill fight and the Hunt Gunther. Oh, the Bass fight. Okay, so <laughs> 2017 he fights this guy Bass, right? What was that Bass's first name? It goes to a no contest. It's an eye poke. So Seth Bass, 
I look the fight. The fighter link is in the description there to go watch the fight. I think what happened was is that Seth Bass came out there and was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! He's being way too aggressive. He's in my face. He's actually hurting me," because Seth was kind of balled up against the fence, and just by the way the exchange happens, it's really more the fault of AJ. He does like eye poke scrape um, Seth Bass, but then the doctor comes in. They do like a whole conversation. Seth Bass was the most calm person with a serious eye injury from an eye poke that I've ever seen. Talking, calm, on a knee. And I think he's just like, you know what? I'm probably better off getting out here with an NC on the record instead of an L. And so he just catches it in. So, again, what you see there, aggressive AJ, get in the face, throwing punches, active, fairly athletic, right, using his distance. So that's the film that we review here on AJ Dobson. I don't have a lot of things to criticize on the guy except for – I. Needs more experience, right? And at 29, it's like, you got to start getting that experience right now. This is a huge fight for him. Huge fight for both fighters. But he needs to get more experience. He needs to get more active. He is training at a Gracie gym in Ohio. The thing is, I looked it up. Carlson Gracie's gym in Team... It says Carlson Gracie Team Ohio. Any Gracie gym is, you know, worth their salt, right? But I couldn't find any information on that gym. So I'm not really sure about that. As for Hashim Arkega, he's training back in Jordan. All right, so he's got his people over there. And so we got some links here to some of his fights as well in the description. Let's go ahead and look at, uh, let's go back to an old fight of his. All right, so way, way, way back. Let's go back in time here a little bit. All right, this fight was back in, um, gosh, 2012. Now, when I say 2012, that was three fights ago here for Hashim. Yeah, three fights ago. The dude's fought three fights like in the last 10 years. Okay, so inactivity is definitely a big issue. At 32 years old, it's like, you know, I don't know what he's waiting for. But anyway, back to 2012, he fights this guy, Ibrahim El-Sawai. Um, the link's in the description. Pretty, pretty gnarly fight. Uh, round one, it's back and forth. Both guys definitely make some high-impact punches, but Hashim is taking the worst of it. He gets kicked in the head, gets dropped. Under his eyes, huge mouse. Got some blood going, goes to the corner. They're trying to talk him up, whatever. Now, mind you, this was literally 2012, okay? This is about 10 freaking years ago. The guy's 32, so he was about 22, 23 during the time of this fight. And he's fighting a guy who was, like, in his mid-20s. The guy who was fighting Ibrahim El-Sawai is not, like, you know, a world beater, nothing of, you know, he's 6-8, and eight, okay? Matter of fact, here's a funny thing about this guy, El-Sawai, right? He's 6-8, and eight, right? But he started his career off, like, literally, like, 6-1. and one. I mean, 6-0, and oh, like, 6-0. and oh. The dude's lost like seven or eight straight fights. Hasn't won a fight since 2014 and hasn't fought since 2020 when he got choked out in the first round. So this guy squares up with Hashim, and it goes. It was a battle. Round one's a battle. I mean, there's no question. If you got money that night on Hashim, you're sweating because he's hurt. Goes to the corner, okay? They get up off the ground. They go to the corner. I do want to say he tries to armbar this dude, and this guy's like this strong meathead. He tries to armbar him. It looks like it's going to work. But Mohammed or Mohammed, uh, sorry, El Ibrahim, his arm is just so strong. He just can't fucking break the guy's arm. So the guy survives the arm bar. They go to the corner, and you can see Hashim is just exhausted. He's tired. When he comes out, body language is terrible. He's, like, just barely moving. He's got, like, his one eye is closing. He's, like, doing these, like, little soft, like, air punches. Like, just, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, he's going to lose this fight. I, I don't know how he wins this fight. And the other guy's, like, jacked. And he's, like, giving him the look like, I got you, huh? I got you hurt, and I got you tired, right? And, and I'm looking at this, and I think what Hashim was doing, it was a, I think, this is my little, my little, uh, my little, I guess, theory here. I think he was pulling a veteran move there. At the age of 23, he was faking that he was really tired. What he ends up doing is, after about 30, 40 seconds of that shit, he c goes for a double leg takedown, super clean. Takes the guy down, 
no problem. Moves to back position, proceeds to pound him out, proceeds to get in a top position, full guard, takes his time. He's super tired too. He's bleeding. The other guy now is bleeding. He's pounding him out, pounding him out, eventually gets the win. Nice comeback. He was young. That's kind of how his career started. The problem is after 2012, he then takes a seven-year layoff before he fights Jeremy Smith. Jeremy Smith, yeah, in Brave CF, in a, in a Brave CF promotion. Now, Jeremy Smith, here's a guy who's nine and seven, and I gotta tell you this, it's almost like fluky that he would have two guys that would fight at similar these similar record situations. So he's nine and seven, right? The dude started his career nine and zero. Oh. It's it's crazy. I looked it up. Look up the tapology here on Jeremy Smith. He started his career nine and zero, oh, then went on a seven fight losing streak. He hasn't won a fight since 2012. He fought his last bout in 2019. In the midst of all that, he uh, he lost to our boy here. Okay, so yeah, and that was back in 2019. So like that fight, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you could take from it. You know what I mean? It was just, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's a very very low level op opponent. We did look at the uh, Fraga fight. So that was back in 2020. Um, Hashim fought um, Yuri Fraga, and that was a round one win. And he just, you know, he, I mean, look, Yuri is what? What's his record? 13, 12, and one. You know, just a very average fighter at best. He overpowers him. That's the one thing about this guy, Hashim. He's got power in his hands. Like, even though he's fighting cans, he's dropping those cans. Like, he's got some power in his hands. His wrestling is definitely, uh, he wears the white Khabib hat, like the white, big, hairy monster, but he don't wrestle like Khabib. Um, yeah, I, I got a lot of questions about where he's training, you know, this big layoff. Um, I think if he's not undefeated, probably he doesn't even get this chance type of thing. Like, it's just like the UFC. Listen, it's all about selling tickets, right? Put two undefeated guys in there, see who comes out still undefeated. That guy hopefully gets a knockout, gets the contract. In a few months from now, they line up that poor soul with a real UFC fighter, and he's probably going to get his ass crushed. I shouldn't say that, though, about AJ Dobson. I actually see something there. I think the kid's very athletic. I'd like to see more film, but it's a little, again, a little tough. He's only five, win only five fights in his career. But I like the dog here. I like the dog. I think if you're going to bet this fight, it's like, how would you know that Hashim is, is – uh, what would you know? Like, he hasn't fought in a year, and the last guy he fought was a can. The guy before that, super-duper can. You know, the guy before that, like, Middle East, 2012, you know. By the way, the link to that description or the link to that fight, Ibrahim El-Sawi or whatever, that is in the description. If you want to, you know, like, smoke a joint and see something funny, watch that fight because it's – first of all, it's, like, obviously an Arab Middle Eastern setting, okay? You can hear that the, the people commenting on the fight are speaking some level of Arabic, I don't know, or whatever language they're speaking sounds like it's from the Middle East. And when the ring girl comes to do the, you know, the number between the rounds – she comes out, and sh I'm thinking, like, I, they didn't show below her neck. So I'm like, I wonder what she's wearing because, like, this Middle Eastern, you know, these dudes don't play around. And then they zoom out, and she's got a black T-shirt on, you know, fully normal black T-shirt and full black pants from, you know, co fully covering her body. And I'm like, yeah, makes sense. It's Middle East. They can't, they can't do that shit that we do in the United States. And it also made me think about Khabib's comments. It's like, oh, God, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, then the camera keeps rolling when the fight ends. Okay, so he gets the ground and pound. He gets, the, you know, knocks the guy out. His corner comes over, grabs him, picks him up. Like, yeah, yeah, you did it. Young guy, 23, came back, got the win, you know. And you know, he was exhausted, you know. So, But the camera people follow the dude, man. They follow this dude, Ibrahim, or Ibrahim into his locker room with his corner, with his trainer. And as they're walking him back there, the dude is like barely could walk straight. And his, his trainer or his coach is trying to help him walk. And the camera's going right with them. And the guy comes in with the camera. He's trying to do like that set, that Joe Rogan shit they did with McGregor. He's like trying to come in, and the guy they, they sit him on a chair, and the guy's like, 
like all wobbly. It's like a WWE production. Like the guy's hurt, he's wobbly, and they want to come and talk to him. And one of the coaches just takes like a bloody <laughs> swab, a bloody swab, just a white, you know, those white square swabs they use when you're patching people up blood, and just puts it right on the camera lens, like <clears throat> just like that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what kind of fucking backyard shit is this? Anyway, Ibrahim has come. Uh, I'm sorry, not Ibrahim. Uh, our buddy here, uh, Hashim, has come a long way from that situation over there. That was called Desert Force, Desert Force 6, if you're looking to see some interesting MMA action. Um, yeah, I just think that the athleticism of AJ Dobson should be a difference maker. I'm not surprised if he puts Hashim out in, within two rounds. Hashim is okay with battling, okay with taking some punches, but he just not has not fought anyone. And he's, these big layoffs just don't like it. As for AJ Dobson, I mean... He's been slightly more active. And again, he's got that one feather in the cap that he did beat a guy who has fought in the UFC and he beat the hell out of him. Um, so for, look, I think this is Dobson's fight to win. If if Hashim comes in here and pulls something out of the hat that we're not aware of, I guess I'll be a, a little surprised. I, I don't expect that. I think I'm gonna, I expect to see the same fighter, a guy who's on his feet, not very athletic on his feet, not very quick, wants to walk you down. He's okay with trading, doesn't have good, great head movement. He's okay in the ground. He's okay with wrestling, but these guys don't want to wrestle anyway. AJ Dobson should be the quicker fighter, and he should land three and four com four punch combinations compared to when Hashim's landing one and two punch combinations. Kicking wise as well, I, I just don't know if that's going to be a big factor. I think AJ is going to try to put it on him. He's going to try to put it on him early, put his ass up against the cage, and try to end this with his fist. That's what I see happening. So that's our breakdown of the main event. Now let's move here into a summary mode. Let's just go over quickly what we've got here on this card and i guess we could just talk a little bit about a potential parlay all right so we've got here in the main event aj dobson winning the fight it's our second most confident pick on the card i like him to win at plus 110 when i get the plus money the co-main event nikolai varetnikov versus michael morales this fight i do not feel good about there's a lot of questions in this event as well so we're going with nikolai to win the fight not going to bet the fight at all not going to bet the fight in any way shape or form i'm going to watch it Grab a beer. That's about it. Um, down to the next fight. Steven Gwynn versus Theo Reliang. Reliang. This is the most confident bet on the card. I like Steven Gwynn. I think once you look at that film, once you kind of consider all circumstances, you know, no offense to Theo. I just think Theo, you know, even size-wise, is just so overmatched here. It is great. He's coming in with an undefeated record. You know, so obviously there's that, you know, a little more drama. But I can see him hitting the canvas a few times. He is durable, though. He'll bounce back up, and he'll probably fall back down. Um, but we like Gwyn here, and that's the most confident pick on, on the card. At m minus 195, um, you know, kind of like it to be better, but that's what you're going to get. You get what you get, right? So uh, second fight on the card is Clayton Rodriguez versus Santo Curatolo. So for this fight here, we like the late replacement, Santo Curatolo. He is coming in as a late replacement, um, but, you know, that's about the only reason why you don't like him. When you, when you take that factor away, which it is a big factor, when you put that factor aside, if they were just fighting full camp, normal, these two guys, most people, I think, would favor Santo. So the good news is, even though it is a, a late replacement, he kind of was in camp. He had a fight scheduled for next month. And let's just put it this way. When these guys are getting these calls, they're not out of nowhere. So he had his name in a hat. Like, he had ideas that, listen, um, I could get a phone call. I could have a UFC event that would, you know, preclude me from fighting next month. So you'd hope with that, him having fought in CFFC, good promotion, um, but he can come in here and, and get it done. And at plus 115 again, got to like it, got to like it. Now, it's not a super confident pick, okay? I'm going to put a little something on it, but it's not a super confident pick. All right, down to the first fight of the night. Jacob Rosales versus Victor Martinez. It was a tough one. Um, we're on the side of Jacob Rosales. It was a tough one to break down. It was uh, 
definitely I went back and forth with it. But we're on Jacob Rosales to win the fight at a minus 150. It's not terrible. Not terrible. So um, those are our picks to win. In terms of a parlay, I think a three-leg parlay like this is just easy money. I go A.J. Dobson, Stephen Gwynn, and Jacob Rosales. So you're going to combine one minus 195 with plus 110 and then plus um, then another minus 150. So I don't know what the odds are on that, but it's probably pretty good. The second parlay that I would throw out there just to try it would be those same guys. So A.J. Dobson, Stephen Gwynn, and Jacob Rosales. And I would take that and throw that in with Santo Curatulo. I really like the guy here coming in with plus money. I think he gets it done. I think his skill level is very high. I like what I've seen from him on film. So those are two different parlay pieces that I like. So there's the breakdown, guys. This event is going to start and kick off at uh, – let me just look it up here before I leave you guys. It's going to be starting at uh, 8 o'clock p.m. That's right. They always start 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time for these um, Tuesday evening contender series fights. So – Let's enjoy it. We do have another busy week here of MMA with UFC coming up this weekend, along with some other promotions. So we'll get those prediction shows out to you guys. If you like the video, if it was helpful for you. If you're tra trailing us recently and you're making any kind of money, uh, don't make a donation. We don't want your money. Just we need your likes and your subscribes and your just your comments and your support and your shares. Uh, we appreciate whatever you could do for us in terms of the social media space. Um, again, a reminder: a new feature now. We're adding. Links in our description to all the fight, all the fighters that we've talked about in every single breakdown. For this, there'll be a long list. It'll be like a film fighter link library in the description. But this way, if you want to go take a look at some of these fights we've talked about, the ones we've broken down, one, you know that we're breaking down a fight. We're not coming in here just talking out of our ass like, oh, I think this guy's like a, he's a pretty good wrestler. I heard he's a wrestler. Like, no, watch the film. I would encourage everyone, if you're putting money, like, unless you're just, like, I don't know, a baby mama just getting money for, you're not working for money or whatever, but if you're working for your money and your money means something to you and you're placing wagers out there on MMA, watch these fights. The links are there. We made it easy for you. Okay, so anyway, thank you for joining us. Come on back soon, and uh, good luck on this event, whoever you're wagering on. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.